If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 52 of the Early Excellence Podcast, which happens to be our last episode before the Christmas break. Um, In this episode, I'm joined by my colleague Luella Ivans as we explore the increasing popularity of tough spot trays in earlier settings. We take a close look at the practice around using tough spot trays and we also take a look at some of the drawbacks as well. And we ask the important question, is it time to move away from the tough spot tray? We're going to talk all about um, tough spot trays, aren't we? part of uh, as part of this particular podcast episode and of course the, there is a lot to talk about i get i guess where we we need to start with is the sort of the, kind of a, the, the history of it i suppose um in that they have become haven't they over, over the last what five to ten years they have been a, i think a, become a very popular part of earlier's practice before that, probably not so much. You know, I, I'm thinking back to when when I was teaching. I, 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 we did have a tough spot tray, although actually we called it a builder's tray, and I bought it. I think from, um, just from kind of B and Q or somewhere like that, and we used it for certain purposes. So we used it for, um, for using clay, in because it has, of course, that sort of raised edge to it, so it kept the clay in. Um, and on top of a table with clay in, it worked for that. And we used it also for outdoor water on a big scale so the water could puddle. You know, that that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, did you use tough spot trays as part of your practice? Yeah, absolutely. I think, do you know what, I think they are, they can be really useful for things like um, mud and clay. You know, when you want to kind of explore those things with children, but you need to keep it in a contained space, perhaps. Um, I think they can be useful in that sense. But I think you're right. Over the last 10 years, they just seem to have really taken off, don't they? Um, you kind of see them see them everywhere, really. Every school's got one. Every nursery's got one, if not more than one, perhaps, sometimes, I think. Um, and, and they're used for a variety of things, really. I mean, I don't know what you've seen them used for, Andy, but I, I often see them used... Um, for, you know, things like small worlds, like reenacting familiar stories in the tough tray. Um, messy play as well. Um, lots of schools using yeah. them for messy play. Um, any others that, that you've seen? I see quite a lot of, particularly online, I see a lot of tough spot trays being used for um, a sort of directed activity, not necessarily with the adult, but an independent directed activity. So something yeah. like setting a math challenge or setting a um, setting a kind of a matching challenge or some, something like that or a number ordering challenge and yeah. that it'll often be written in the t- on the tough spot tray with some resources around it within the tray. You know, that, that kind of thing. I see quite a lot of that. I think I think it's interesting, isn't it, Andy? Because the these are things that that feel relatively new, don't they? I would say, as we said, kind of the last five, ten years. Um, but I, I suppose we've got to ask ourselves that question: Why haven't we? 
you know, why are why are tough tough trays suddenly taken off, and and why are they being used in a in a different variety of ways? You know, as you mentioned, for like things like maths activities or kind of small world activities. I think that's the question, isn't it? We've got to know. You've got to be thinking about why we do what we do. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think the why is always important, and I, and I think early as teachers, early as practitioners are under quite a lot of pressure at the moment, particularly from from Ofsted inspection teams, to really be knowing and understanding the why we do certain things. And in relation to that, I think sometimes tough spot trays don't really help us. Now, I haven't really got anything in particular against the actual tray itself. As I, as I mentioned before, I've used them as part of my practice. But I do think that actually there are times where it it leads us to have an area of our classroom, you know, a tray that's perhaps perhaps a, a tray by itself or a tray on, on legs, where it's a space within the room that we have to keep, potentially have to keep coming up with ideas for what goes on it. And I think that's tricky because I think whenever as early as teachers and early as leaders, whenever we we run out of ideas for a space or we search for ideas for a space, I, th- I think quite often that ideas process takes us away from the, the, that really thinking carefully about what, y- what the young children in our class need. If it's just about the ideas process, then that's taking us away from the child. And we'll, we'll come back to that a bit later on. Um, I mean, th- th- I think there are... There are other sorts of there are other issues with it as well, in that I think it kind of ties you down to planning yeah. in a particular way. Do you see what I mean? I I don't know whether you've seen practice like that, where we, you know where you kind of have one or two tough spot trays, or maybe more, but then you're you're having to think each week. Well, what am I going to put on them? That's it. That's it. And 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 I think you know we work with a lot lots of different schools and teachers and. And I don't know about you, Andy, but I often get asked that question of, you know, if if I've got that space in my room, do I have to plan for it if it's not part of my continuous provision, but it's there? I think a lot of teachers feel like they need to kind of plan for that tough tray because it's there and it's in their room or they might have um, two outside and two inside. And and feeling that then you need to put something in those tough trays is, is you know, something that that a lot of teachers ask. And I think there's also pressure from actually if someone was to walk into my space and those tough trays are empty, what message does that send? Um, So I think tough trays being in as kind of a continuous part of your room can really tie you down. Um, I think as well, they, you know, they can be really large and quite cumbersome as well, can't they? Um, And particularly if they're on legs, in in your space you know if you've got the legs that go with them that's suddenly a brand new space in your room that you might feel requires planning for um and really what what I suppose I would say there is you know is it is it serving a purpose um or is it is it just essentially another table um I suppose that would be the question any have you got any thoughts on that Andy yeah I, I mean I do often feel that you know, if you're feeling tied down to planning for a tough spot tray and you're thinking, well, actually, you know, I'm ending up planning every single week and it is just going down that route of looking for ideas because there are loads and loads, hundreds 
and hundreds of tough spot tray ideas out there, you know, on social media, then if I'm going down that route, I think it's important to step back from it and to consider, well, actually, do I need that? You know, do I do I need that pressure of having to come up with a new thing every single week? Or could I organize it differently? You might decide that actually the tough spot trade goes away and that I'll just get it out for when I'm wanting a particular activity that suits being in that tough spot trade. Um, because I think otherwise what we end up with is things within the tough spot tray that don't really need to be there. You know, we end up with, say, construction, small construction being placed within the tough spot tray. When actually, does it does it need to be? Probably not. You know, it's children will generally play far more effectively sat on sat on the floor, sat on a carpet, sat on a rug, building and constructing. They want to explore in that way. They don't tend to really like to be restricted to one space, standing around the tough spot tray. And also, I think if if all of the construction is within the tray, then we've missed out on that level of storage where we can sort and we can use the storage for using some mathematical concepts to, to place things back where they came from, to match and to sort. So for both of those reasons, I think we, we have to be careful about what we're putting in, really. It's got to be meaningful, which, go, again, goes back to that why, doesn't it? You know, there has to be a why. Um, so we ought to mention social media. I did mention it just a bit before. We ought to mention social media. I think part of the pressure in terms of on teachers and practitioners is that there is now, of course, a whole world out there, whether it be on Twitter or on Instagram or Pinterest or wherever you might go to look, there's a whole world of tough spot trade practice out there. There is. And yeah. I think it is worth just thinking about that and what that looks like. I think really. uh, it's easy, isn't it, to fall into that kind of Pinterest trap or the Instagram trap because you know you can be scrolling on Instagram in the evening um, and actually if, if you if you like us follow lots and lots of other educators out there you'll see some incredibly beautiful aesthetically pleasing tough trays um, and you can f- I think you can feel the pressure somewhat Andy do you think um, feels like there's a bit of pressure out there to to make these tough trays look beautiful, you know, really aiming for creating a small world, perhaps in the tough tray that looks absolutely, you know, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing, lots of different resources in there. Um, and you can end up falling into that, that kind of that space where you feel the pressure, I suppose, from, from other people. Um, and, and, and you end up then thinking, well, that's what mine needs to look like. And we all know in reality, you'd spend hours over making those tough trays look beautiful as they do. Um, and five minutes into the children using them, <laughs> they no longer look like they looked at the start of the day. <laughs> I think that's the case for so many people. Um, so those social media, it, you know, it, it definitely has its good parts, doesn't it, Andy? Oh, it does. I mean, it can, social media can be fantastic for sharing sharing great practice, for inspiring people, for all sorts of things. I just feel that sometimes what we're sharing is something, as you say, that's, that is aesthetically pleasing when it's set up, but that that setup process might have taken a long, long time. And that once we've gone past that setup process, 
sometimes there's a question mark from, from certainly in terms of my head in terms of thinking about well what will the children do with it you know what will they get yeah. out of it how are they going to use it you know uh, around the um around the queen's jubilee for example that were i saw lots of photographs of um tough spot trays online where people had spent a lot of money coloring rice to make the the union jack flag for example within a tough spot tray and i can't help but look at it and think well the children are going to just come and mix all of that up and i don't i personally i don't see the learning opportunity there um if certainly not against the the amount of time that that's been taken that that has that that has taken in order to put that together you know that's taken an awful lot of time but the learning opportunities are not that clear i think mm-hmm. does that make sense so i, I do think yeah. we have to be quite careful there that the amount of preparation that we're put that we're putting into something has got has got to lead to very clear ideas in terms of what are the children getting from it and i think sometimes that bit is missing I, yeah. I don't think that's always really clear so for example do the children know what they need to be doing with those materials do the children know what's expected in terms of using those resources of course that that's not to say that everything has to be directed but there are some times of course when people do direct things within a tough spot tray but the children won't necessarily be able to read it. You know, if it's a written, often there, are, there is a written question on the tough spot tray, but the children aren't going to be able to read it. You know, we have to be quite careful with that, I think. And, and I think as well uh, with that, you know, you can end up leading, you know, children down a path that then they're, they're engaging in an activity that's very closed. So if there's a question there and actually you're saying to the children, this is what you're doing in the tough tray today. Well, then that actually sometimes ends up being a closed activity. And I think we know then, don't we, that that's where we have to question that idea of what is what is the learning that we intend for the children? You know, what's happening here? What are the children going to get from this? Um, because it is easy, isn't it, to as we said before, feel like you've got to fill that space. Um, So you end up putting things in there that perhaps wouldn't normally um, be something that your children would be exploring. And I think you have to think around themes as well. It's easy, isn't it, to fall into that trap around the time of Halloween or around the time of Christmas um, or Easter to be feeling like you need to have um, tough trays that that represent those seasons or those festivals as well. Um, but it comes back to what you were saying, Andy. Really thinking about that learning that takes place in that space. You know, how high quality is it, or is it just something that children will you know explore for a moment, and then once they've kind of mixed all the rice together or they've moved things around in the tough tray, they're off onto the next activity. I also think as well that quite often the things that are prepared within a tough spot tray are often quite closed. You know, either they are a, something that it might be a small world scene, for example, that staff have created and it looks fantastic. But actually, the process has already been created. The story setting has been created for the children by the staff and the children just come to use it. 
Um, and or, or more than that, it could be, um, I know certainly in terms of tough spot trays, you can buy inserts for a tough spot tray that have already a picture on, you know, like a, like a car, like a car mat, you know, or a farmyard scene or whatever it might be. And for both, but with both of those things, with either an insert or with members of staff creating a scene for the children to play in, I kind of think, well, actually, we've done the process. We've done part of the process for the children already. We've taken, by doing it for them, we've taken away part of that process from their play. You know, so I would say if, if you know, if we're wanting children to, to create story settings, if we're wanting them to learn about how a story setting can be created, they need to be able to do that themselves. They don't need somebody creating it for them. They might need us working alongside them, supporting, modelling, um, nurturing all of those skills, but they don't need it done so that they can just add their figures and characters into it. I, I, that would be my opinion. Yeah, it, come, it, it keeps coming back to that same question, doesn't it? You know, what what is the learning that the children will get from that experience? Um, and we want it to be as high quality as possible, don't we? So we've got to keep, you know, thinking back to the planning process, I think. You know, why are we doing what we're doing as the teacher or practitioner in that space? What decisions are we making and why? You know, are we effectively observing children so that we know where we need to be taking that learning? Are we really thinking carefully about that kind of observation and planning cycle? Um, does that form the bedrock of our practice? Are we, you know, spending time really looking at what the children can do and where they want to be going as well? And thinking of the best ways to support children to get there, um, because that's our job, isn't it? That That's what we're here to do. Um, and I think if we're not careful, as we mentioned before, you know, by having a, a tough tray or numerous tough trays in our space, it can end up feeling like it's an ideas game to fill those tough trays and to provide something for the children in those tough trays, rather than thinking of it as, a, as an observation and planning cycle what, what are we seeing and what do we do with that information that we see and how does that inform our planning going forward? Um, and it comes back to responsive teaching, I think. You know, how, how are we seeing, you know, acting on what we're seeing and responding to that to really make the most out of those learning possibilities with children? Um, because it's not an ideas game, is it? It's it's so much more than that, I think. Um, and it's got to come back to that planning process. So there you go. Lots to get you thinking there. So um, where do you stand in terms of the use of tough spot trays? Are they a valued part of your practice, do you think? Do you feel that they help you to provide rich experiences or do you feel that they maybe take up too much space, maybe lead to a narrowing of what you're offering, or perhaps lead to staff searching for ideas for what to put on those trays? Um, it would be really interesting, I think, to get an idea of what people are thinking on this. So do let us know what you think. Let us know what your experiences are. Um, so, yeah, you can get in touch via all of the different social media 
platforms, either on Twitter or on Facebook or, or, or all of those other platforms as well. It would be really good to hear from you. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier on, this is our last podcast episode before Christmas. And of course, that means for this year as well for 2022 and thank you so much to everyone who has contributed to the podcast this year and also of course to you people for listening too have a great christmas everybody enjoy a really very well deserved rest and we will see you back here in 2023